This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, myself, Will Byram, and Trevor Hoolan bring you one of the better episodes of TDR you will ever listen to. We recap the entire Florida game. We give you our three main takeaways. How about these doors? Two SEC wins in a row, and now they roll into First Bank Stadium into hopefully a good Vanderbilt crowd. There's going to be a lot of orange, but hopefully Vanderbilt fans will show up. It's Vanderbilt and Tennessee on Saturday, but this episode is all about the win over Florida. Vanderbilt is now 5-6. and six. They are one win away from achieving bowl eligibility in Clark Lee's second season on West End. What Coach Lee has done these past couple weeks has been remarkable, almost an act of God, if you really want to get deeper into it. Vanderbilt defeats Florida. We get into it. Will Byram, Trevor Hewlin, and myself, we answer, your, we answer your YouTube questions, and we touch on Vanderbilt's matchup with Tennessee on Saturday for a little bit, little tease. Tennessee is a 14-point favorite. We will talk about that game a little bit, but like I said, this is all about Vanderbilt's victory over the Florida Gators, 31-24 on West End. Ray Davis, MVP. We'll talk about that and much more coming up next here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Oh, look at that. There we go. There we go. We got There that. we are. This Wait. looks good. <laughs> that looks a little bit better this if you're watching on video. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report. It is episode 193. It is, a Monday, <laughs> it is a Monday night, November the 21st, and we are powered by the great folks at Alaco Finewood Floors. Family-owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality Hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? We've got, uh, I'd say we've got a little bit to talk about tonight. We've got a Florida victory to recap the doors, uh, get it done. Man, I, I still can't believe it. 31-24 final score. We will get into that game. We'll talk about the historical significance of this game because I said 
last week, guys. I said, Vandy doesn't beat Florida. I said, and I'm glad I said that because I think a few players listened to that episode. Uh, so we will talk about that. We'll get to our three key takeaways and we'll touch a little bit on the Tennessee game next week. Uh, Tennessee is a 14 point favorite in that one. So we'll, uh, we'll give you a little teaser for, for that one next Saturday night, but boys, how are we feeling? Is this uh, the same feeling as, as last week or, or is this even better? This is different, at least for me. This is, this is real. I, I, I hope my audio is coming through clearly because I'm back to the $150 Walmart laptop. Uh, so my fingers are just crossed that I make it through at least like 20 <laughs> minutes uh, before I have to switch we over to my you. phone we and my got AirPods. You so there we go. But this is real. And I saw Trevor immediately nod the Kentucky game. You know, if they come out and just immediately, you know, get not even their break speed off by Florida, but lose to Florida by 14, 17 points. You think team's still improving, but they're pretty much where we thought they were. They just put it all together against kind of a floundering Kentucky team a little bit. This Florida team was coming off demolishing South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't coming off a disappointing loss like the UT team uh, that Vanderbilt's going to be facing this upcoming Saturday. As you said, we're going to be teasing that one a little bit. This one was real progress. This was more than just moral victories. This was, I don't need to say it, a real victory. And a real victory that wasn't fluky. Uh, Vanderbilt mm-hmm. really, my dad made the comment during the game, that, that was the most dead SEC opposing fan base that he thinks he's ever seen uh, inside of Vanderbilt Stadium, now First Bank Stadium. And I said, yeah, but Vanderbilt didn't give Florida fans anything to cheer about. They mm-hmm. pretty much dominated them from the beginning of the game or beat them. I won't say dominated, but beat them from the beginning of the game. They gave up that opening 11 play drive. Uh, held them to a field goal, took the lead, and then never gave it up. So it, it was a different feeling after this game, but a feeling of hope. And for someone that's fan tank was it was as empty as mine was, it's good to put some gas back in that thing, Billy. <laughs> no, no doubt. Trevor, you got a little cameo on TV. What, what, what was oh, that like? <laughs> I, I, so, so I didn't know. Thanks to uh, one of my mom's coworkers. Those are actually her seats, and she likes to uh, – she likes to um, give them to us whenever she can't go. So shout out Miss Joe Reen at FNM Bank. Thank you for the tickets. But we sit right in Section F, right by the um, right by the parents. So we've been there a couple games this year, and yeah, apparently I was on TV a couple times. I didn't. I obviously didn't know uh, until I got out of the stadium and I checked my phone and I saw some tweets and texts that people were saying that I made a I made an appearance a few times on on TV. But man. I agree totally with Will. I think I think this one feels totally different. I know they weren't ranked like Kentucky. I know it wasn't an away game. Um, but this feels way, way different. Um, I think in just about every facet of the game, Vanderbilt played a really, really good ball game. I think from special teams to defense to offense. Um, obviously, there's some things you can clean up, particularly with the turnovers. Um the interception, now that I've thought about it, I'm not too upset about it because, yeah, it was a yeah. dumb play, but in I kind of – In the moment, in the moment like, I was oh, hot. No. In the moment, I thought I was going to commit a crime. I was angry. <laughs> but looking back on it, like I kind of understand. Obviously, you need to clean up the fumbles, but from special teams to offense to defense, I mean, I'm right there with Will. They didn't – it was all gas, no breaks, and they didn't let Florida get off the mat. Like Florida yeah. would throw a punch and Vanderbilt would throw two. And it was like that from literally the first quarter 
to the end of the game. Yeah, I agree. This win is different because it feels like a a stamp of the formula, Will, the blueprint. You you can win this way in the SEC. Now, it's going to get a little bit harder against Tennessee, but you know, you can win against a we said Florida was a I said and they were at the time at the top tier of that SEC. They were playing like it. So you you know, you can win with that blueprint and they showed it. So there's a lot to get into today. Of course, we will get to our three key uh, takeaways from the game. But before we do that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Florida recap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, let's get into it. Vandy 31, Florida 24. Vandy improves to five and six on the season, two and five in the SEC, six and five. Florida falls to. They're now three and five in the SEC. Let's talk about the historical significance of this game. It's it's kind of crazy thinking at some of these stats, and we we hinted at them last week. First win over Florida in Nashville since 1988. Watson Brown was the head coach there. I don't think any of us were even born. We weren't even thought about. Uh, so that that tells you, you know, the the youth of of this uh, this podcast, the Doorport, uh, first win and most points against Florida since 2013. That's not a shocker. First consecutive SEC win since 2018, and they broke a streak of 12 straight SEC home losses. And guys, I want to talk about that because they haven't played well at home most of this season. I mean, other at least in SEC games. You saw the Elon game, you know, kind of an up and down type game. The Wake Forest game, bad second half. Ole Miss, bad second half. South Carolina, really, that game was bad as a whole. So you, you play this well at home against an SEC team. That's what they've been trying to do. They've been trying to get to that point to where you play better at home. So I think that's a big aspect of this to where you finally got over that hump of, you know, playing in front of, let's face it, not a whole lot of black and gold, but. It, they were loud, I think, at certain parts in that game. And, uh, you know, you gave them some belief. You gave them something to cling on. And I think you'll start to see even more start to slowly come back. So I think that's big, guys. Winning at home, this is on the road, you know, kind of expected. This team's road warriors. They, they love playing on the road. But, Will, I think this was huge that they were able to make this happen in Nashville. Yeah, I think I'm a little delayed here. The audio is not synced up with the video, but I think I'm uh, oh, not going to be too you're late good. on this comment. But there isn't really a fan base that has had less to be excited about than Vanderbilt fans in a very long time. Even the successes of recent years have kind of been a little disappointing. 
even the bowl game years with Derek Mason for the talent that they had in those seasons. Uh, I mean, they upset Tennessee. That's what saved Derek Mason's job. You couldn't uh, really get behind games. anything. Yeah, it, it yeah. didn't feel like you were building yeah. on anything. It felt like these kind of one-off seasons. Yeah. Uh, and Vanderbilt fans, I mean, I think Clark Lee had a comment. I don't remember if it was after the Kentucky or the Florida. I think it was after the Florida win on the, on the broadcast or maybe in the post-game presser. He said something like, we have the support that we need in the locker room within the walls or something along those lines. And he said, the support from the outside will come after that, after yeah. we have wins. Great we have enough support on the inside to get those wins. And that's – you win. It's kind of like the field of dreams. Build it and they will come. It's the opposite. It doesn't matter what your stadium's like. Win and they will come. You will pack 40,000 people sitting on plastic milk crates if your team's <laughs> undefeated. The stadium doesn't matter. I, I guarantee that place was rocking for opening night. I always point back to that Ole Miss game in the James yep. Franklin era as what that place – can be that was an opening game because they were coming off a successful season that felt like you were building on top of success from yep. previous seasons and you just never felt that with mason the year that it was supposed to happen with riley neal at quarterback we know that season didn't go as planned uh with a lot of nfl talent on that roster uh so man vanderbilt fans i think as as the excitement continues to build Vanderbilt fans, they're going to come back because most fans are not like me and Trevor and you, Billy. Most are going kind of casual and they're going to go to the game if it's fun to watch. And I'm going to be honest with you. You said they haven't played well at home. Those games have not been fun to go to. No, it has been hard to go out there and drag <laughs> yourself to those games, man. They had it's been me a nightmare. And they had me and my dad on the edge, like until this last two weeks. If you have me, of all people, Will Byram, the, the most that's, obsessed that's insane deep. Vanderbilt fan there is, saying, if it doesn't work out with Clark Lee, man, I'm still going to be supporting them, but I don't know if I can buy, buy all in again. I mean, it's just been so repetitive in nature. And what we've always said <laughs> is if Vanderbilt would just commit, they have everything they need. They just haven't had commitment from the university and from the athletic department. And that's what fans have been clinging on to is they, they've just never really tried. Yeah. Uh, and now you have the people in place with Deermeyer, AD, Candace Story, Lee, uh, Clark Lee at the helm. And you kind of feel like you have the right people in place and they're doing things like having advertisements. I heard it this week. They had uh, Kevin Ingram on a radio ad on, I think it was 104.5 The Zone, where they paid for it about the Nashville history, Vanderbilt football history this day. And it was talking about uh, Vanderbilt beating Tennessee in 2005 on the Cutler to Bennett pass. Uh, and that's yeah. just something they haven't done in the past, just outreach. I, I've seen the effort, and it's finally coming to fruition with a little bit of success on the field, just enough to draw me back in and give me the dangerous, dangerous thing of hope in my soul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. you look at – Hope after, is a dangerous thing. After that this, South this Carolina – most dangerous <laughs> After the South Carolina game, I think there were a lot of fans that said, that's it. I, I don't know if I'm, I'll be coming back to, to First Bank Stadium. But you beat Kentucky on the road just enough to pull you a little bit closer back to First Bank. And, uh, you know, I think people are coming back. I think there's going to be more Vandy fans in this stadium on Saturday than we expect, than anybody expects. And I'm confident yeah. in saying that. And we'll talk about that oh, more yeah. 
uh, later in the week. Guys, before we get into the three main takeaways, Vanderbilt got a field storming fine. Uh, and that was that was the best field storm I've ever seen. I mean, that was- I didn't. I was there. I stayed the whole time. No idea we stormed the field until <laughs> I, I thought that was recruits and friends and family. I, I saw a text from one of our thing. staff guys, Jacob Scholl, uh, that he said, come down to the field. And I didn't see it until after I'd already left the stadium. But I was there the whole time after. It just looked like the recruits and like friends were going down there. And I was kind of up uh, in front of Section J, hanging over the edge, just kind of cheering them on. So it was funny. I was there the whole time and had no idea that we rushed the field. I missed it. I looked at my dad and I go, Dad, they're letting normal people on the field. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're not going to go on the field. And I looked at him and I was like, Dad, we're going on the field. Well, I was saying, <laughs> and then he was like, no, no, no. And then that's we just a tough walked to right rush. behind me. And I'm like, told you. We're going That's down a to tough field to rush because very field. few college stadiums are most of the bleachers are like 25 feet above the field. So, like, the only oh, way jump, are, on the, yeah, are on the 250-yard line spots, it would have to be the most organized field rush if well, Vanderbilt ever actually it, did pull That's yes. what it was. The students – what do you, what did what what national writers expect them to do? Hop over the, the, the field and, and get a concussion? <laughs> and, 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 I, don't, I mean, what, yeah, it was orderly. That's the only possible way for them to – You would break your legs if you jumped off. It's like a solid 10, 15 feet above the 10-foot goalpost where <laughs> I sit. I mean, that's literally the – if Vanderbilt wants to storm a field, that's how they have have to do it like i, I don't yeah. the, the national yeah it was an easy joke and it was actually kind of funny but um i but think no. Vanderbilt was actually probably 100 in favor of that oh yeah i mean they were letting... you can't buy that kind of like it, it how that is going to look like zoom out and just be like we got fined for storming the field most people aren't going to know it was the what actually thing. happened it's just a good look for the brand it's a good yeah. look bad it's it's always a good look to be a little unruly even if it uh. wasn't actually real <laughs> It was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. So, man, really breaking the bank. For, yeah, for <laughs> for uh, for Vandy, they, they were last fined for a violation following the, the men's basketball game against Kentucky in twenty sixteen. So mm-hmm. that was that was the last uh, court storming fine they had. So I thought I'd throw that out there, uh, guys. I thought Clark Lee's post game comments were uh, were pretty Im- important. He said we needed the South Carolina game to get to the Kentucky game. We needed the Kentucky game to get to the Florida game here at home. He said, everything's about the process. And there's a lot of people, I've heard a lot of fans comment <laughs> about, you know, man, what could have been? We should have beaten Missouri. You know, we should have beaten South Carolina. But I think it's vice versa. If you win those games, maybe you get complacent. Maybe you don't beat Kentucky and Florida at home. So it it it's just, that's where this program's at. It, 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 you, you have to string those together and that's just where they're at, guys. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you can't wish for for a whole lot el- else than what you got right now if you're a Vanderbilt fan. I mean, five and seven at this point in the season, two Honestly. SEC wins. You know, yes, you, you're probably better than Missouri. You know, you could argue you're a better team right now than South Carolina. Now, South Carolina just played their butt off. But, you know, Auburn, A&M, Van- in power rankings, Vandy's nine or ten right now in most power rankings. So, the growth is just unbelievable, and we'll get to more of that, guys. But let's get to three key takeaways. And I don't want to get to much else because we, you know, we're going to dive into all of it here in our three key takeaways. And I'll start here, guys. And you know, we'll have a lot here. But I'll start by saying this run defense past few weeks has been stout. I mean, they have they have gotten really creative. 
They have sent extra guys to stop the run, not only stop the pass, but also stop the run. When you send a guy like C.J. Taylor, you're just getting pushed, finding any way to get push. They held Florida to 45 rushing yards on 21 attempts. And this is a Florida rushing offense that was number two in the country heading into this game. They were top two. They were second in the or first in the SEC, I think, at, at that point. And so you hold them to 45 rushing yards on 21 attempts. It's pretty incredible. I mean, that, 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 what an effort by, by the defensive staff and those guys up front. Lowest rushing total for Florida in a game with at least 20 attempts since 2017. Um, so I, I just think, guys, that, that was a, a big key to this game. And we talked about it all week. I mean, we said this is where Vandy can lose this game. This is what I'm scared of. I'm scared of Montrell Johnson. I'm scared of ETN. I'm scared of Richardson and his legs, you know, using in play action. They shut down that run game. And I was pretty surprised by, I mean, 45 rushing yards. I didn't realize it was that low after the game. I said, damn, 40, that's insane. So that, I think, guys, the defense, you could argue, without that defensive effort, they don't win this game. The defense had to go out there and win the game. And as a Vanderbilt fan, you're sitting, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat there. You you say to yourself, and I think one of y'all tweeted it out. You said, "Uh uh-oh, the defense is going to have to do it. The defense is going to have to win this game. I think it was Trevor. Um, hell, maybe it was Bruno Reagan. All the tweets run together. Uh, it's just a blur, really. It's we're all just the same. A, we're all the same really dead is. inside person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of all Vanderbilt fans' sense of humors are like the same. The same. It's all this yeah. kind of weird, dark fandom that we all <laughs> like. Do legitimately support the program and get very, very hype and excited but there's this like underlying <laughs> to everything that we say. And like this understanding of the other shoe is going to yeah. drop at some point. There's an underlying <laughs> level of darkness that, you know, is always achievable. Like you can only be built through true soul crushing heartbreak. And especially <laughs> if you're like a real Nashville sports fan, like you've been a Tennessee, T- I've been a Tennessee Titans and a Vanderbilt Commodores fan. The, the NFL franchise that is known for being one yard short in the most devastating Super Bowl looking loss in one photo of all time. So it's just this weird underlying uh, view on sports. It's a little bit different, but I think it's fun because the highs, you can't beat the highs. No, uh, but the lows are pretty low. Yeah. It's euphoric. It's really it, it is the euphoric, only, man. It's That's the why only... I made that video. I had to zoom in oh. on you on uh, that I tweeted out from the door report. Follow us if you don't. I'm sure if you're listening oh to this, you do. Door, I... at door underscore report on Twitter. I added some beautiful emotional music in the background. <laughs> I hit Billy my said, what so is that music? That, that, that cost... felt so bad. Well, that broke I, I, a bank, dude. Old man. <laughs> I felt so bad. He like fell over. The title like, of that music in the I background was dad. free... Free, highly emotional background music was the title to the music that I High, highly emotional. <laughs> highly emotional. Billy, was that your key number one? Do I need to get to mine or that, that was my on? key? I mean, run defense, guys. There's not a whole lot else to say. Um, you know, I just think that was such a difference in this game. I mean, even if Florida gets, you know, 150, 140, they probably win that game because that means they probably score a rushing touchdown or two. I mean, did they have a rushing touchdown? I don't, they might've all been, uh, been, I don't think they did. So, I mean, that that's ridiculous too. So, um, I just think that's the first thing I point to the run, the run defense and guys who would have expected this in the first half of the season when you're losing games to Ole Miss, you know, after the South Carolina loss, 
I mean, it's just incredible what, what that defensive staff has done and everybody on that defense. So my number one key takeaway is the run defense. Couldn't have been better. Will, it's all you. You bet you back, Will? Am I up? Yep. You're I did up. not I'm hear gonna, anything the ball you just said, you. so I'm hoping. I'm up. All right. Your mouth's moving. I'm assuming I'm up. So I'm just going to start talking and hope it works. Uh, I'm just going to get to my title before I lag out. Changing the outside perception dash a real victory. This I, I was listening to 1025 during my lunch break at work, and Derek Mason was on there. Not that Derek Mason, the Derek Mason, the other one. Uh, the Titans, former Derek Mason, on 102.5. And he was saying he was going through the last four games and, and talking about how Vanderbilt played Missouri down, down to the wire and probably should have beaten them 17-14, played a good game against South Carolina, who dominated Tennessee, then went to Lexington, beat uh, a ranked Kentucky team, and beat them. It wasn't fluky. Their quarterback didn't have the game of his life and everything didn't perfectly break Vanderbilt's way. They didn't play perfectly. Will Shepard had bad turnovers. Yeah. Your best offensive player, arguably, had two very bad turnovers. And your quarterback in both of these games threw bad interceptions. Uh, now, Ray Davis played incredible in both of these games, but these were real victories. In any win, things are going to break your way. That's how you win. And I'm tired of people saying that, you know, penalties extended Vanderbilt drives. They were penalties. They extended Vanderbilt's drives because Florida committed penalties because Florida's, you know, not a top five team. That's not fluky. That's not this weird. Uh, that that just happens. It happens against Vanderbilt all the time. So I, I heard a lot more talk about Vanderbilt from non-Vanderbilt media personalities after this Florida win than I did after the Kentucky win. I actually heard kind of not much after beating Kentucky. Kentucky was the number 24 team in the country, and yeah. Vanderbilt walked in to their home field and beat them. Uh, and, and I've heard a lot more after this Florida game, not because the win was necessarily over a more impressive team, but because it wasn't a fluke. You see teams all the time in college football that are bad football teams come out and just beat a team that was sleepwalking. And a lot of times people write it up as that in the media if they see a one-off win from a team like Vanderbilt that had just lost to the two quote-unquote winnable games on their schedule to break this losing streak. And then they beat Kentucky. You can write that off. Kentucky, you know, the season hasn't gone how they wanted. Their NFL quarterback has kind of mailed it in. But once you beat Florida and and they're coming in and, and Florida was just coming off drubbing South Carolina. Yeah. The media is taking notice and, and they're taking notice of what is happening and they're and they're talking about Vanderbilt in a more serious manner yep. and changing that narrative is a very difficult thing to do. Breaking that narrative early and doing it right before this offseason, regardless of what happens in this Tennessee game, you have changed the talking points all offseason because it was maybe if they lost out a C C minus, depending on how these games went, undeniably anyone across the country, no matter how this Tennessee game goes, will view this Vanderbilt season as a massive success and recruits and everything. This is just putting you in a direction that is not just us on a door report Vanderbilt podcast talking about the things we see that are improvements. You are seeing SEC media coverage talking about improvements, local Nashville radio shows talking about it. 
I just flipped on 102.45 and 104.5. They were both talking about the game at the same time. That was not happening last week, and it certainly hasn't happened in the last couple of years. So, And good things, saying good things. I've only heard bad things when I occasionally hear them mentioned on local radio. So the outside perception has finally changed after this game, Billy and Trevor. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm used to saying Billy after everything. Trevor. I'm going to start saying Trevor and cutting Billy out. Come on, inclusion, (laughs) Will. Come on. (laughs) Yes. I think, too, I think what – I mean, my number one takeaway is I, I think you're starting to see a mentally tough team. Um, there's a reason, like, the acronym SOV, same old Vandy, has been around forever is because for years fans like us and our parents and so-and-so saw Vandy get up in big moments and something go their way and piss the bed. Just point-blank period. And so what did you see last week against Kentucky? One of the first possessions, Will Shepard has a fumble. Granted, replay, that wasn't a fumble, but puts the defense in a really tough spot, a gut punch. We've seen so many Vanderbilt teams that are just going to fold. And then what do we see this week? Will Shepard, this was a fumble. Immediately, one of the first plays of the game has a really bad fumble. Most Vanderbilt teams – would have folded, packed yep. up, and gone home. And I'm not – you're not seeing that from this team. I think you're – granted, you obviously want to – you obviously want to clean up turnovers. But the fact that Vanderbilt can make mistakes and not just go into a fetal position is massive. And I think that's not going to show up in any sort of, like, stat category. But I think just for the mental perspective of the team, like – Whenever you do that and you go out there on defense and you know that, like, hey, like, that didn't go our way in offense, but, like, we got dogs and we can stop them, you can't account for that in stats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you, – you cannot account for that. And I think you're starting to see a, a mentally tough team. And being mentally tough, even if you aren't the best with athletes or even if you don't call the best game schematically – that sort of mentality cannot just keep you in ball games, but I think it's what we saw on Saturday. That will win you ball games. No doubt. So about that's it. my that's my big Yeah, that was actually my original key number one was resilient was the title. And I actually changed yeah. it because I wrote that down earlier or either earlier today or last night and I would listen to the radio broadcast change my key number one. But Trevor, I love having you on here because usually whatever I almost say you've taken now every single time as your key number one. We're, um, we got, we got, we got the same brain. We have brain we have blast, the, baby. Exact, for better or for yep. worse. Guys, Literally. we got a comment here from Brad Woodis. You want a better show? Interact with the fans. I was like, no. All right, Brad. I don't want to interact. <laughs> Get out of here, Brad. <laughs> I want a worse show. <laughs> yeah, hey Brad, Brad, you want to interact with us? Ask a question. We'll hey, we'll, we'll get it answered. We Maybe. would love. I would love to interact, but to be honest, like we would love to interact. We don't get a lot of from the fan direction. So yeah. let's get the questions going. Hey, we'll like, I mean, Brad, for, for, I'm all for that this. original answer was not real, Brad. That was sarcasm. We, we love interaction. <laughs> I'm all for this, Brad. So any question you got? Yes, we do want a better show to answer that question. Uh, we got Heath Watson here. Go Doors. So optimistic about the future of the program. Uh, Cameron Gads, if we beat Tennessee, where do you think we would go bowling at? Interesting one. Mm, I probably haven't really the, thought that far ahead. Probably the Independence heading, Bowl or the Liberty Bowl. We're I, heading I'm, west, baby. Shreveport. We're packing out the Liberty Bowl. Out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, 
Vandy makes a bowl game, this it would be a great crowd. I, I, I would say that because they I'm going to be... find a way to go. If if yeah. they make a bowl game after being in the position they were in and going a three game win streak to go to a bowl game, I will make it. I'll quit my job if I have to to go to this bowl game if they make it to. But that's <laughs> not a five and seven, you know, poverty bowl. Not one they didn't earn, but if they make it to a real bowl game, we've got to get the TDR TDR game. Oh yeah, road. we'll you we'll know. get a TDR. I think I'd go to a poverty bowl. To be honest with you. <laughs> I think well, I just I would go to a poverty. It's not about that. It's like something about five and seven, just going being able to go to a bowl. I'd still watch and be excited I about see it. What you're saying, yeah. It's there's just but something you know that, that feels a little wrong. Yeah. Okay. This is the question that we were talking about earlier with the and students. This is and a really fans. good question. Cameron Gadd yeah, asks, do you think we will see a little bit more students and fans on Saturday at First yes. Bank Stadium? Yes. When well, I, I because the students were um, – they were off campus this week. They had a break this week, so which I thought was a little unusual because well, typically they just, – So their break, they just started, went on. their break started on Saturday. They just went on? Yeah, yeah, so this is the Thanksgiving Saturday. break. So there's probably not going to be a lot of students there because this is the unique thing about Vanderbilt. Like 90 uh, or 95% yeah. of their students are out-of-state stu- students versus every other school in the SEC is like over yeah. 70% in-state. So Vanderbilt also struggles with you have, number one, no real fans. that like If you grew up a Vanderbilt fan in Middle Tennessee, just forget about going to Vanderbilt. Like yeah. You're not yeah. going to go to Vanderbilt. Uh, the other side is they all are like from the Northeast and out West and from different countries. So on top of only having like 6,000 undergrads, they're all like on plane flights versus hour and a half car rides. So yeah. it's a little bit different. So I will confirm. Fans, yes. Students, no. Yeah, I will say yeah. this though, guys. On our TDR, on our TDR Instagram, we had a, a student-run podcast. It's called Show Them the Door. And uh, they responded to one of our posts yeah, and they said – I think this will, you know, pack the bank hashtag. This should help get more students back a little bit earlier because they come back Monday. That's first day back of school. So interaction with fans, we will be having a door report tailgate, legit door report tailgate. It is going to be massive. It is going to be huge. Donald Trump finger, whatever animations here. Huge, massive, the best you've ever seen. Massive. No matter the outcome of the game. (laughs) The door report is winning the tailgate situation. Yep. We are going to make it happen, Captain. So anybody out there, we will be in lot two. You'll see us. Don't worry. How about this one from Arlen lot Goodrich? Two. Liberty Bowl with Derek Mason in Oklahoma <laughs> State. I would love that matchup. That defense sucks. Oh, gosh. Oh, that would be great. Uh, yeah. he, I mean, I'd I love to put up about 40 on, on the defense like that. Oh, that would be. Derek Mason I think I would strap up. I would steal a helmet. I would steal a helmet, and you're going to be like, who is number uh, 60 or like 72? Why is he out there? He doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a lineman. It's going to be me getting my absolute all of the Commodores (laughs) against Oklahoma State. You put me out there in pads. I will hit somebody as hard as I can one time, and I'll I'll be taking the blue tent. Bury me in Memphis. I like this one from Heath Watson. I am always annoyed by UT fans, but since we're playing them, I'm going to get on their level. Vols have more fans, but that orange looks so, I'm guessing, shitty. Uh, black and gold is better. Doors by Fitty. <laughs> that, Heath Watson, it does not matter. If you're a Tennessee fan, you can, like, not Heath, obviously, but if a Tennessee fan's watching this, you can say it's unique. I like that is the ugliest fucking color 
on so this the helmet. Planet. The color on there the is helmet. a reason it is very similar awesome. to traffic cones because it sticks out compared to every other color that humans put on anything that eyes like to see. The most similar thing to UT Orange is a traffic cone or Just jail jumpers. Yeah, or jail jumpers, which is also accurate. Those, I mean, there's a reason also, they had a because color. jail jumpers are that color because they stick out because they're such a hideous fucking color that there's no way anyone would put that color on their body if they had any other choice of color. So you're like, no. if you see someone in that color, they've got to be they've got to be a bad person. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. They, they just decorate their entire stadium and entire fan base. In it. Pumpkin puke orange. I love it. Love it, Arlen. Um, all right, guys, are we ready? Are we ready for? Did you ever get to your first uh, first key key takeaway, yeah. Trevor? We all got the key number one. Okay, we all got it. We got. I did. Questions. Yes. We got questions. Hey, if we're getting questions, we're going to the questions. Sorry, audience. We're answering we're, questions. Yeah, we're answering questions. Cameron Gad, do you think Jay Cutler will be there for the coin flip? <laughs> I hope he's there ripping a marble or gold. That's what I'll <laughs> say. I don't think Cutler's coming back anytime soon. No. God love him. Jay, Jay, if you're you listening. Ha- you can't hate him. If, you can, if, you, if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you hate Jay Cutler for, for some no, of the reason, get a life. Get a life. I mean – Come on. Vanderbilt is so lucky to have Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler kept them relevant in the minds of non diehard SEC fans for so long because he was such a big time relevant name from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has their highly drafted first round quarterback in the last 50 years or 40 years. Uh, Other than Jay Cutler, we would be talking about. Who? Bill that Wade. Been, Bill yeah, Wade. Bill yeah. Wade. We've been that's about that's Bill literally Wade. 50 years. Yes, yeah. that is who we would be discussing, and that would be the name. So thank you, Jay Cutler, for allowing Vanderbilt fans to not have one more thing that people can make fun of us. Although that is a pretty damn good name to have. I think Bill Wade was up for the Heisman. I I, I mean, Bill I Wade's know. an oh, incredible. Was, I'm not dissing well, Bill Wade yeah. in any way. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, the number yeah. one no, overall pick. I'm not, I'm not saying was, that, but no, but it, it was 70 crazy. years ago or whatever. I'd love was, to so talk. You know. I'd love to talk to some of the older, like 70, 80 year old Vandy fans about Bill Wade. I mean, they he was a superstar had, on a level Vanderbilt's never had. Since. Like he was on the like cover. When you look back, he was on the cover of magazines. He was yeah. different. Like that, they he haven't was, had a guy like that since. Then. He was him, dude. Uh, <laughs> all right, Scott. Uh, tier one here. Vandy fans have no excuse this weekend. Show up and support these players who are playing their asses off for Clark. Every sign points to a Vandy upset. Show your gold. I love it. I, love I want it. this comment. I want this comment tattooed on my forehead because if you're a Vanderbilt <laughs> fan and you have season tickets and you sell them to Tennessee fans, you're a fraud and you are. I will. I don't want to have anything right to do with Absolutely. you. How are you going to let Tennessee fans come into First Bank, sit in your seats, drink your beer, eat your hot dogs under no circumstances? If you have season tickets and you can't go to this game. That's fine. Sell them to Vanderbilt fans. If you sell to somebody who wears a power tee, I'm sorry. We are not the same. Give I, them away to Vanderbilt fans before you sell them free. to UT yes. fans. There's Go no way debt. that UT fans are willing to pay an exorbitant amount anyway at this point. Yeah. Even if they were no. they would have had to pay it would have had to be in in a level of like five figures for me to sell my tickets to UT fans after all the stuff about checkering that stadium. I hope Vanderbilt fans show up as a giant middle finger 
uh, to all that stuff that they have been reading about UT checkering that stadium. And I hope we see a lot of black and gold in that stadium. And I think, I think instead of seeing what some UT fans think is going, I think it's going to be 60, 40, 50, 50. I think you're going to see Vanderbilt fans. I have faith are going to show up and UT fans are, are not going to show up in the same way. Yeah. Uh, especially with Hooker out. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I just don't them, but there's no motivation. I mean, there's some Tennessee fans. They would rather stay in Knoxville and watch this. It's going to be cold. It might rain. They're, they're not, they're not checkered and Vandy. And there's not going to be ninety percent because that, I mean, it might not even be. It's it's going to be close to a full sellout. I mean, I don't know that it will sell out, but there will be enough Tennessee fans, and I think enough Vandy fans. It's not going to be a dominant display. Now there's going to be more Tennessee fans, but it's not going to be dominant like we thought it might be two weeks ago. Um, nope. We got Arlen Goodrich here. Pack the bank. If you guys have a Twitter, tweet that out every day. For the next five days here, pack the bank uh, leading up to Saturday. Morales through the roof. That's true, guys. I mean, when's the last time you felt this good as a Vanderbilt football fan? I mean, I, it, it's been a long It's been a long 2016, time. I think. After they lost to – well, I would say you did have this feeling of true hope after in the COVID year they barely lost to, at that time, a very, very highly ranked Texas A&M team with a true freshman quarterback in Ken Seals. They lost seventeen to twelve in that opening game. First recap, you Station. and I will. By the way, yeah, yeah. But that that game, I think you felt something similar to this, but not this good, obviously, because you didn't win the game. But you felt something that was, yeah, after yep, the K State yep. game, twenty sixteen. Yeah. That that but, was pretty damn high. Whatever it was, yeah that but that was a then, high high. Right there. Even then, I'm almost with you, Trevor. Twenty sixteen, like real true display of consistently like that 2019 let's face it we were we were confident going into Alabama but you've got Alabama coming in it was always that that level of darkness was still there so I don't know I mean I think yeah we haven't felt this good since 2019 but is this to the level of 2016 the success they had you know beating Tennessee I mean it will be if you beat Tennessee (laughs) I mean it, it it will be back to that so um, it just feels too like even with the scenario of Tennessee, like where they're at as a program right now, it feels so much like the 2016 game. Yes, it does. To where like they were riding a high, they were a little bit low, and they had a sugar bowl on the line, and it just oh it and the talent they had across that team, Kamara, Dobbs, Derek Barnett on the defensive side, Josh Malone. That, that was a legit like mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl type team. Now they they weren't coached. They were number seventeen in the nation. <laughs> yeah, Butch Jones was yeah. laughable as a head coach, and I think that's the one advantage. I, this is a little bit different. Like Tennessee as a program is different than they were in twenty sixteen. Like Josh Heupel is way more comp is way more competent than Butch Jones. Um, like I don't think his coaching would cost them a game. Butch Jones's coaching cost them that game and that season. Um, yeah, I mean, they have talent. And but the thing is, Tennessee is without their quarterback, so the leadership is the leadership there. And there's rumors that the locker room is crumbling. I mean, that locker room's a mess, baby. Let it burn. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many of these rumors are true, um, but apparently there's a rule in the locker room that if you step on the power tee, you have to do push-ups. Jeremy Banks stepped on the tee during the week and didn't do his push-ups. Hendon Hooker apparently pressed him about it. He proceeded to try and fight Hendon. Then Joe <laughs> Milton, the backup, had to break them up and end up holding Banks against the wall. 
This comes very close sources to the football program. This explains why her defense didn't come to play tonight. This is from a Tennessee fan. And honestly, that scares me. Sounds like Heupel's locker room is divided. Now, this is a Tennessee fan on Twitter. I don't know how much you can trust him, but it's obviously probably not that bad. But if there's any sort of crumbling or divide division in that locker room, that's a recipe can't for hurt. Vandy. No, can't, can't hurt at all. Uh, feels like 16. It sure does, man. Sure does. Um, okay, guys, we, we've gotten through one key, and uh, I was shooting for about an hour on this. We'll probably go over. Uh, let's get to our next key here. And like I said, guys, interaction. Brad started it, man. I mean, we've got questions here. Uh, credit to Brad. I love it. Uh, so second key here, guys. Nobody in the country is playing harder than Vanderbilt right now. No, Nobody. And, you know, there's a reason – there's there's reasons to support this this fact. I mean, this is a fact. I mean, if you watch that game, that Florida game, nobody in the country is playing harder than this Vanderbilt team. Florida looked uninterested. They looked, I mean, they looked lazy. They had more talent. They were bigger. They were stronger. They were faster. They didn't want to be out there. They, they did not want to be out there on Saturday. Neither did Kentucky when Vandy played them a couple weeks ago. So there have been teams that have slept on Vandy. Vandy has cashed in on that. And they have another chance to do that on Saturday. Um, now, I think these two wins, Tennessee will take Vandy serious. Now, you know, I, I it's not – you get these two wins and you're going to start being taken seriously, and that's the added challenge of this. You know, heading into next year, you're going to be treated with a level of respect you haven't been treated with the past three or four years. So that's what's going to change, guys. But, I mean, nobody's, nobody's playing harder. A few effort plays that I look at, the Bresnahan touchdown. I mean, that was pure want. I mean, he just manhandled those guys. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, I mean, he found a way to get into the end zone. All Every every C.J. Taylor play, I mean, the guy is just – he's a freak. He's I love watching that guy play. Um, his effort, I mean, that that explains it. Ray Davis's effort. I mean, all these guys, they're just – they're playing with effort, man. They're playing their hearts out. And, yes, Florida's lack of effort – played a role in this but Vandy's effort won that game without that effort if Vandy would have played with the same half-assed lazy uninterested effort as Florida they probably get clobbered you know I mean that's probably it's probably true but the mental hurdles guys that this program has been forced to jump over the past couple years I mean it, it they seemed almost insurmountable I mean the damage that that Derek Mason did well we've talked about this almost every episode the damage that Derek Mason caused this program, it almost seemed like, man, we won't see change until three or four years, you know, but we're seeing it now. And that's a statement. I mean, the growth is unbelievable, especially after the South Carolina loss. I mean, all hope really for a successful season, I think from most Vandy fans perspective had been lost. It felt almost like it was gone. Like it had seemingly disappeared. I mean, that's all anyone was talking about. Hell, that's what we were talking about. I mean, we, that's how we were talking about this team. So, guys, I know I've talked about this, but Clark Lee has, has made an immediate impact with these guys. Even last year, that's where it started. And they have reciprocated. They have, they have followed through with that plan, and they've responded in a hell of a way. You know, there's no ounce of quit in this program. Clark Lee has instilled a culture that's going to last on, on West End. I think everybody should believe that, and if you don't, you know, I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what you're watching. So, 
I mean, hop on the bandwagon now because it's going to be a lot of fun for a long time. So Brad Wood is hopping in again. He loves it. Speaking the truth. So, guys, that's my second key. Nobody's playing. That, that's my takeaway from that game. Nobody's playing harder than Vandy right now in the country, and that starts with Clark Lee. 100% agree, Billy, with that key number one. I think, or your key number two, I think that kind of goes along with my key number one there. But my key number two and takeaway number two uh, is the offensive line, the Grease Gang, AJ Blazik, Grease all free. the boys there. The the best compliment to an offensive line is when a running back is getting a lot of attention for putting up yards week in and week out. And this offensive line has done something that Vanderbilt offensive lines rarely have had the ability or had the ability or just been able to do at all, which is just consistently allow two, three yard gains. And a lot of that has to do with Ray Davis and his strength, his ability to not go down on first contact, fall forward. And that's just going to continue to improve as he has eligibility left and he is going to continue. Which is, uh, that's, to be, scary. that's scary. He is going to be untackleable. He's going to be a an NFL strength, not speed, but NFL strength running back, like legit starting NFL running back strength, trying to be tackled by 19 and 20 year olds. And he is going to absolutely dominate next season. So my key number two is the offensive line and what they have been able to do unexpectedly. But this offensive line, even with the injuries they have had, has performed yeah. so well. And I think that is, yep. that's a storyline that has kind of been lost in, in the performances. And Mike Wright's done a good job, but it all starts if you can't block the opponents. Uh, and, and Florida has some pretty intimidating guys. Uh, <laughs> number 21. Uh, he looks like a create a player on Madden that doesn't look physically possible <laughs> to be real. Uh, but they, they've stepped up and against some pretty solid defensive lines in Kentucky and Florida had done pretty well in all season, really, for the most part, I would say, this offensive line. So shout out to the Grease Gang and specifically Coach A.J. Blazer. Yep. well, I keep, I keep taking your points. And this is the first time you've taken well, mine. Because you, you just two, great minds think alike, man. We, I, I, I have a, I have a, I have a passion for the for the big boys up front. So no, yeah, I, that was gonna be my number two, but I'll, I guess I can, I can think on the fly, but I'll go to my number three. But I mean, especially too, just to kind of tag along to what you said about an offensive line that's suffering injuries, an offensive line that coming into the season was already really thin and had a lot of question marks. Uh, and they're playing really, really good football. Um, anytime I rewatch it, I just I love watching Gunnar Hansen. He's got he's got that nasty edge in him that yep. like you want in an offensive line, man. That I don't think we've seen at Vanderbilt in a long time. Like, like he's a Gunnar Hansen's a mean boy, and he's and from, he's from Florida. Play. He's it a just it, it feels like it all starts with Blazik, man. It, yeah, it, he is just yeah, – I, I hope he stays as long as possible, but he is totally – it's agree. very rare that an offensive line coach is the name that you keep hearing over and over and over. And A.J. Blazik has been incredible thus far. He's done – everything he's done has been absolutely fantastic, and I, I totally agree. I think he deserves all the praise. Um, something in our in the last episode we did that I was like, Vanderbilt needs to really hammer home on this and do a good job of it. I got to keep shouting out my boy, Matt Hayball. Oh, man. You called it. You called it. The special teams showed up. And obviously with the, uh, 
with a touchdown by uh by Schilling. That was obviously massive. And Unbelievable. You could maybe cool the SEC special teams yep. player of the week. SEC play, special play of the game, of the I would say, to be honest. Yeah, I that's why oh. that's hundred. That was my the, play. That you want to know the funniest part of that play? The the funniest part of is my my story of that play, which is after we went to punt, I'd been saying for a while I had to use the bathroom. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, on this pun, I'm going to run down to the bathroom. I went down while I was in the concourse. I heard over the speakers that they have on the radio broadcast and the ball hits the Florida player and there's a scramble. And I sprinted, dead sprinted <laughs> back in uh, to see. And I saw them start celebrating and I saw the referee put his arms up in the air and I ran up to my seats and high fived everyone and then ran back down to pee really fast immediately after that. But I missed. <laughs> oh, I didn't even you, see it happen. Live. Oh, it was so it, it was electric. Them trying to pull everybody off the pile might have been the longest 15 seconds of my life. Yeah. And, and then, then whenever and he, then, whenever uh, Ethan Barr put and his what? hands up. Yeah, Shelly like, goes like this. Like he's celebrating. <laughs> whenever <laughs> Ethan Barr put his hands up before the officials, I was like, oh, my God. It was, the, it. It was Ethan Barr and the Vanderbilt players kind of getting excited and zero reaction from any of the Florida players. And that's no, when totally I started agree. to feel it. it that's where so, I started watching. I, I saw yes. the pile. But I missed the actual play. They knew it. Florida, every Florida player knew it. They were defeated. They, they oh, knew it yeah. Right I love that. But Matt Hayball had another great game to where every punt was Inside the 10. legitimately a, – Yes, a beautiful punt and flipped the field on him. And Florida, who, like we said, makes their money on big explosive plays, isn't really going to – which then again, there were some um, drives to where they did sort of drive down the field. Um but I mean, every every punt he had was gorgeous, and every oh, yeah. punt he had put the defense it's, in a really, really good position. His punts are so satisfying, man. I mean, he he yeah. just he knows what he's doing out there, man. All right, we got a couple questions here, pretty good ones too, from Dylan Cutshaw on YouTube. I don't know if y'all have talked about it, but would you have started AJ over Mike in the middle of the season? The last two games have shown me that Mike should probably have been starting. Now, here's how I I will answer this. And, Will, I think we've talked about this. It's tough because A.J. won you that Northern Illinois game. I don't think Mike wins that game for you. I, I don't think he does. And so there's certain games, though, but the Kentucky game, I don't know that A.J. wins that. So it's 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 weird. I think it's worked out to where Vandy hasn't had to say, oh, we got to go with you know, we got to go with AJ to win the game. Now, the Northern Illinois game, they had to say that. But Mike just won two SEC games. I get that. But against a Northern Illinois team on the road, you had no other option, especially the way Mike had sort of struggled. So I, mm-hmm. I think we're in agreement here, guys. It's just it's tough to answer it because of how how things have gone. Yeah. It's worked out perfectly. But they zero chance they win the Northern Illinois game. Uh, mm-hmm. w- with Mike Wright at quarterback and just how that game flowed and some of the plays that were made because Mike Wright doesn't make that amazing play that A.J. Swan made, uh, throwing the ball into the end zone on a dime after breaking multiple te- multiple guys that had him for a sack on fourth down and then dropping a dime to Ray Davis. Mike Wright doesn't have that ability. But also A.J. Mm-hmm. Swan doesn't have the ability to run the ball 70 yards for a touchdown up the middle and break and almost hit 22 miles per hour. Uh, and have the fastest run in the entire country. He doesn't have that ability. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I, I would have switched to A.J. Swan. Um, and if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, A.J. Swan would probably still be the quarterback. And I don't want to take anything away from Mike Wright. 
okay? Because I love Mike Wright. I want to see Mike Wright succeed and put up crazy stats. Mike Wright had zero to do with the wins in, in this game, these games. Any quarterback that they would have put out there is it wins the games in the same fashion. I'm not saying 100% in the Kentucky game because he did he did play an incredible game in the Kentucky game and had that explosive play, but the Florida game was irrelevant to Mike Wright. I think he had 100 yards passing or something yeah. like that and a yeah. bad interception late in the game that almost gave Florida an opportunity to come back and tie up that game. So the game was not won because of Mike Wright in the Florida game. I'm not saying he, paid, he played badly, but nothing he did won them that game. The defense, the offensive line, Ray Davis won them that game and special teams. Yeah. Uh, so I, that that's where I said is I'm not trying to take anything away from Mike Wright, but he is going to be the starter and should be the starter for the UT game regardless. Uh, and you're going to have a conversation after the season about this. I mean, and I don't really know what the correct answer is because it would be really hard to bench a dude that's winning. But to beat really good passing teams and explosive offensive teams, and I don't know if UT necessarily qualifies in that same way without Hendon Hooker at quarterback next week, uh, which gives Vanderbilt an opportunity because Milton just is not consistent enough. But you're I mean, going to have a quarterback. It. Mike Wright is still has a high school arm, and, and that just is what it is. I'm not saying – and people are like underneath that slant that he threw – to Will Shepard to win the game against Kentucky. I'm not taking anything away from that. That was a great throw. That's a high school throw. That's not a, that's not a throw like AJ Swan has the ability to make. And I'm not trying to hate on Mike Wright because AJ Swan doesn't have the ability to run or avoid pressure in that same way and make explosive plays happen on the run like that throw Mike Wright made to Bresnahan was a great play. Uh, but I think AJ would have seen that play. And I think the same thing would have resulted. So his leadership and intangibles is a tough thing to kind of weigh into this equation because I think Mike Wright has one of those personalities that is just magnetic and you just can't help but to be fired up and love the guy uh, because I know I've been a proponent of AJ Swan, but Mike Wright's one of those dudes like, I hope he makes me look like an idiot. Like I just want him to come out mm -hmm. and next year, win the job and just be absolutely dominant because he just is – an electric dude. I mean, he just seems yeah. like a good dude that cares about the right things. And even when he's on the sideline after losing the starting job, he's over there animatedly giving the signals in the red backup vest and the bright hat. So Mike Wright, I'm not trying to take anything away, but, but I think, yeah, AJ is probably still the more talented quarterback there. Uh, just giving you the opportunity to be better offensive teams with more dynamic defenses. I think too with this, and I've been, I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans have been, and myself included, um, have been hypercritical of Joey Lynch. And I think some of that blame is well deserved from what we've seen in the season. Joey Lynch has done a really, really good job the past couple games scheming and calling a game to where it fits with Wright's strengths and minimizes his weaknesses. And I think he it's, does it's deserve been, some credit. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. I think that I think a lot more of the onus gets put on the game plan and the coaching with a quarterback like Mike Wright. Yes, uh, yeah. with a guy that I think you can really open up the playbook and have like this real consistent, quote unquote, unstoppable success that Simplify doesn't rely it. on manipulating the defense where you want them to be. It's just unguardable. With AJ. Yeah. I don't think you can do that in the same way with Mike Wright, but I think right now with where this team is, right now it gives them a better opportunity to win because it's it it's more manipulating the eyes of the linebacker. And if he makes the wrong read, 
boom, 70 yards. And right now this team just doesn't have the talent to do the eight yards, 12 yards, 10 yards, six yards. They just don't have that at the receiver position. Because yeah. you need three, four guys on the level of like a Will Shepard out there, just to be honest, or, or and one of those being like a Jaden McGowan type guy is just a true freshman. But you can't just have one wide receiver that's a legit dude. And I'm not saying Quincy Skinner Jr. can't develop into that, but he's just not that right now consistently. So yeah. I, I think Mike this season, for whatever reason, it's just kind of fitting into what Joey Lynch has the capability of doing with his other personnel. Uh, so I don't know if it was necessarily a bad decision to switch to AJ. No, uh, because not. I think they won the eight, the NIU just because of that, like you said. Yes. And so yeah. what Mike Wright has done the, these past couple weeks, you have to give as much credit to the coaching staff really as you do Mike. I mean, what they have done to scheme up, it's been amazing. I mean, the, some of the schemes you haven't seen. What what you saw in that Florida game, you haven't seen any of that. That that fake pitch out, and then you roll Mike out. You've got two guys wide open, and they hit Brett. He hits uh, Bresnahan for the touchdown. So yeah. what Joey Lynch has done as uh, as Will exits, he'll he'll be back. Um, <laughs> what Joey Lynch has done has just been phenomenal. So I, I don't think I think you have to give him just almost just as much credit there. So that's a I would agree. Point. Yeah, we He's got to really question. come a long way. No doubt. Another question here from Brad Woodis. In the end, we've been beat up by UT with the exception of Coach Frank. Eh, I, I gotta, I gotta just interject because that was Mason won three in a row. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I don't understand. We'll that. say with the exception of Mason. Yeah, <laughs> I hate to lose, but in the end, progress was made this year. A bowl game would be an extra perk. Y'all keep bringing it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no falsehood in that. I mean. That's I would also that, argue, no, we haven't been beaten up by UT, actually. Yeah, that, uh, we were beaten up for a very long time. Vanderbilt was beaten up. And then, like, the last 10 years, not even. so much. But it's even. the five 40 years before that, yes, Brad, the 40 years before that beat up is the yeah. right term. And I think, term. I think we need to remember that because this right, this this has turned – this is a rivalry. Back to, yeah. The, the, I mean, the, the last 10 years, how can you not call it a rivalry? I mean, it has been dead even, and Vanderbilt has competed, and they've they've shown up. Now, I know last year, not competitive. Even the year before that, not competitive. But under Mason, it was competitive. They won. They beat Tennessee. So I think we need to look at it from, yes, Tennessee is a top 10 team right now, but they didn't play like it last week, and they don't have their their Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. So we need to think about it as, as not a level playing field with Vandy and Tennessee, but pretty close almost at this point the way both teams are playing uh Cameron says I could see AJ destroy their DBs if you really look at it if our receivers play together we could destroy them I don't know about destroy but I agree with AJ having success against those DBs they are awful those Tennessee DBs are terrible so yeah I mean if AJ Swan is healthy I pick Vandy to win this game I I I really do I will bet Almost a million dollars if I if I could access those funds. You will not see AJ. The AJ Swan no, will I'm not, I'm not, not saying, I'm, be I'm the not starter in this game. Like like there's not really discussion. I think I think like, he's he trying to be. say I think he's <laughs> trying to say if AJ was healthy and oh, well. you know, I could see he could see him destroying. But yeah. I, I know the the dream of AJ playing is dead. We 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 can't keep talking about it. I mean uh, to be but, honest. These DBs are so bad. Like Mike does not have. Yeah, an AJ yeah. I was gonna arm. say That's, that he doesn't have a Ken arm. These DBs are so bad 
Mike Wright very well could throw on these guys. And Will that's Shepard not could a have an evening. Mike, like it's a, it is a legitimate possibility, I think. And South Carolina also beat Tennessee with speed on the outside with little end arounds and, and bubble screens. Watch out for Jaden McGowan as well. I'm yeah. saying that right now too. Watch out for Jaden Gamarion. Even these receivers could have the best night of their of their career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every receiver, I'm not even kidding. They're that bad. Uh, Dylan, no doubt, AJ has the better arm, and the future is bright for him at Vandy. We've talked about that. Uh, Arlen says Nick Howell, really great growth for everyone, including the coaches. We've talked about Howell as well, and he's a guy just like Lynch. We've criticized. I mean, we, well, let's admit it. Well, we've criticized him. You know, I mean, we, we've been critical. But what he's been able to do with this defense and, and uh, after Minter, I mean, we guys, let's, two weeks ago, we were sitting here saying maybe a change is going to be made uh, with Nick Howell and the D's. I mean, we all kind of agreed with that. But what he's done in these last couple of weeks, it's a common theme. I mean, everything was negative about this team two weeks ago. They've completely flipped the script on just about everything. So that's, uh, that's another big thing. We do still have our third. You can't read that. <laughs> we do still it's have our third writing. team to get to. Howell has gotten way better towards the end of the season. I agree. Brad Woodis wants to feed Ray, and that's what they're going to do on Saturday. Uh, we all know that. So, all right, guys, we'll uh, we'll wait till we get more questions. But third key. All right, did we get our second? Everybody get their second mm-hmm. key in. All yep. right. All right, third key. Here we go. Brad just said feed Ray. Um, that's my third key. Ray Davis. I mean the kid, the, the kid. He's he's 23 years old, but I mean he's incredible. I mean what he has done the past three games, he's up there with the Vandy running backs of all time. I mean Keyshawn Vaughn, Zach Stacy, who he reminds me of vividly. I mean he looks yeah. like Zach Stacy out there the way he runs. Ray is quicker than he gets credit for. He is he's strong. I mean he's strong. He he's he's another guy. I mean. You know, we were kind of on the edge of, of is he uh, an NFL-type back? He's got a chance to really prove that, especially next year. I mean, you know, we'll see. He is a great college running back, but, uh, you know, he's got an opportunity there. He's 18. I love Ray Davis. I'm sorry I'm shaking my head, but I love Ray Davis. <laughs> he's 18 yards away from 1,000 on the season, guys. He's going to get it. I would hammer that if that's a uh, prop bet anywhere. <laughs> Uh, Ray Davis over 18 yards on Saturday night. Uh, none of this would be possible, though, guys. And you mentioned it, Will, with the Grease Gang. None of it would be possible without the O-line. I mean, they have, they've they worked very well together. I mean, you could tell Lynch and Blazek, McKenzie, they've just, you can tell they've just been in the, in the, in the, in the lab grinding, just, just working to see what will work with this offense. And, and they've done it. I mean, they, they, that run scheme is hard to stop, especially when you've got Mike Wright back there. The tight ends, guys, the tight ends are doing a phenomenal job blocking. Gavin, Ben, Gavin is, is he's a hell of a blocker, guys. I mean, he's tough. So is Ben. Uh, Justin Ball as well, he showed up. I mean, they've got some depth back there. And, uh, I mean, who would have expected Ball to catch? Uh, didn't he catch a couple passes against uh, against did. Yeah, who would have expected that? I mean, it's starting to come together with guys that we really haven't seen much of in the passing game. Um, Ray, Ray is always falling forward, guys. I mean, he he's like I said, he's quicker than a lot of people think, and he's more explosive, guys, than defenders think. You're trying to tackle Ray Davis on the edge. 
makes a quick little move. That spin move was – I mean, I thought he was, I thought that was going to be like a one-yard gain. But he he gets put that, that man in a spin cycle. Oh, my. I mean, and that was a really good Florida linebacker there. So, the moves he's able to put on with guys in space, that's significant. I mean, that that's something he's improved on. Uh, they were very patient in the run game. Guys, I mean, they stuck with it. You know, it wasn't always a five, six, seven-yard gain. Sometimes they'd lose a yard. Sometimes you get one or two. But even one or two, you're you're falling forward. You're moving forward. So they used the clock to their advantage with Ray in the running game. They sprinkled some tempo in there, which I think I think that helped a little bit. I'm not saying they need to use any more of it. I thought it was a good amount of tempo. You know, you don't really need tempo, I think, with the way you want to win if you're Vanderbilt right now. Uh, but a little bit of tempo always helps. So, guys, my third key, third final key, Ray Davis. I mean, it's 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 literally Ray Davis. He's the most valuable player on this team. I mean, without Ray Davis, I don't know that you win. Maybe you win one SEC game. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say just because of the production he's had and the impact he's had. I mean, 30 carries, guys. I mean, that's Derrick Henry-type numbers. So I just think, you know, what he's done, you know, he has to go over 100, I think, to beat Tennessee. You know, I mean, he's got to have a day. He's got to have a day, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about that more. But, guys, for me, it's Ray Davis, and, uh, you know, you got, I had to have – I had to throw him in a key. I feel like I'm not mentioning something, but I had to put Ray Davis in, in uh, one of those keys. So, Ray Davis for me, Will. Yeah, you mentioned it for a second there. I'll go ahead and get to my key number three because it's kind of split. I have my key number three that I wanted to put, which is specifically to this game, the tight end involvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been huge. We wanted to see it all season. We talked about it a lot leading up to this season with the experience and depth they had at the tight end spot with Bresnahan showing Walt Ball uh, and DeCourcy maybe, a few other guys. Uh, they had a lot of talent, but especially pass catching in Bresnahan and Schoenwald, it really has been a little bit disappointing, specifically with Bresnan. Yeah. Uh, the last couple seasons seemed to be a lot more involved and a lot more of a focus, even Justin Ball having a couple screens set up for him. They have depth there and talent. So seeing that adjustment has been nice to see that they're kind of adjusting to their personnel. But my key number three, I want it to be more broad reaching. And my key number three is going to be remember where we were two weeks ago and remember where Vanderbilt was two weeks ago is my key takeaway is it's very easy to adjust expectations based on recent success or failure. And we talked about it a lot on the opposite side when Vanderbilt was losing games, when they started out three and one, and then it appeared that a three and nine season was the most likely scenario uh, just two weeks ago. And the expectations at the beginning of the year, the over under on wins was two and a half wins. They beat that in the first four games of the season sitting at three and one. So we had to keep reminding people that our expectations were three wins is an out is a, I won't say good, but a decent season C minus depending on how the rest of the games go, not a success, but not a failure. So now just remember that feeling where you're sitting, just kind of having in your own mind as a Vanderbilt fan to justify what you had just seen three and nine. It's a one win improvement. They beat the over under, but that streak is still in the back of your mind. And now you're sitting going into a game that I think three weeks ago with a healthy hooker would have been a 31 or 34 point line against Tennessee. You're sitting as a 13 and a half point underdog. That's not bad against a top 10 team at all. I know they have a backup, but Vegas and the country are starting to put a little respect. Mm -hmm. Just the entire perception of Vanderbilt football has shifted in the last two weeks. And I, and I know that sounds dramatic 
But two weeks ago, you were talking and everyone was talking about what is there to look at on this team and look forward to and maybe best case next year with how this team is looking. Five wins, fighting for a bowl game at the end of the year. Now you're here now. You're, you're here now. And two weeks ago, that seemed literally impossible to be sitting here in this spot. So I just want that to be my key number three. And takeaway from this game overall is kind of amazing. Uh, I really, when I had no hope as kind of being optimistic, even then, I mean, realistically, I mean, Trevor, Billy, would Trevor, you have put down that, that Vanderbilt would have gone 2-0 and in these two games? And I just no, want to say that the, no. I got to say this. because the, No. I tell you, beginning of the season, Vanderbilt sitting at 5-6 and six going into UT with two SEC wins. There is absolutely no way that you say those two SEC wins are going to be Florida and Kentucky. That's no, the craziest part of this whole thing is the two SEC wins. I would call you a liar. What, 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 what was that, Trev? I think if you said that they were five and six going into Tennessee, I would call you a liar. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd call you a psychopath. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to say I would those have taken that in a heartbeat before we started this season, I would have taken five and six going into UT like yeah. that. I, I so. would, I would have taken, you know, four and seven. I mean, at this point, I mean, yeah, I would have taken three, three, you know, three and eight. But at that point, it's like, man, did we really improve? But at four and seven, it's like, okay, yeah, there was definitely improvement. Five and seven, it's like, yeah, well, now, I mean, it's here. It's undeniable. It's from the outside. I mean, it's you got Will, Will. You talked about it earlier. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Tony Barnhart. He's Mister College Football. He never. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, he's probably tweeted about Vanderbilt six times. He had about a you know two or three sentence tweet about what a job Clark Lee has done at Vanderbilt to to turn the tide and get it to where they're respectable in the SEC. It's guys like that that old time SEC. He's a Georgia guy that respect that. I mean, it, it, it's true. You you search Clark Lee's name on Twitter. It, you got Tennessee fans saying, yeah, I mean, the guy's a hell of a coach. I mean, so these wins, guys, you cannot state how big they are. You just – you can't. I mean, five years down the road – Yep, five years down the road. terribly stereotypical quote. Five years down the road, we're going to look back at these two wins and say – that's why we're 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 where we're at now, you know. Now maybe they you know if they go three and nine this year, four and eight, it's probably just a little bit longer of a rebuild. But now it accelerates it, you know. It's like we're there. I this mean, is where you were hoping to be realistically at the end of year three, yeah. And and that's the part yeah. that is. It's just that's why my kid number three was two weeks ago. I just cannot. Oh, if, if next week, I yes, we need to get cigars. If they win next week, Trevor, oh. we're, we'll do it at my place. We'll get a real setup, Billy. We'll get it out out here. Yeah, right I've next. got a nice Plugged camera. It'll be, if if Vandy beats Tennessee, this door report episode is going to be off the rails. Like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's going to be unbelievable. And will if it's better if it's any better than the last one. They're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it would be spectacular to get this group of three people together oh my gosh. for an in-person oh. podcast post-victory over Tennessee, sending this team to a bowl game on a three-game win streak. You're going to want to see that. That's all it I can say. So, to the <laughs> tons of eyes out there watching us right now, you'd want to see that, I guarantee you. God. Oh man, Brad is for the boys. That's there's no doubt about that. Brad, <laughs> Brad's a tier one. 
he, he's a tier one. There's no doubt. Um, all right, guys. Trev, did you get to your Gold third? Standard. No, I would just say real quick my I third. I, I think – and I think, Billy, this is something I agree. You brought it up earlier. I think they did it really well in the Florida game. They're going to have to do it against Tennessee. I feel like early on the interior run game was not there. And for years we have rightfully so hammered against Vanderbilt saying they don't have the athletes to get outside speed. They're not quick. That's a legitimate uh, complaint against Vanderbilt. They never have. Vanderbilt against Florida, against a team full of Florida kids, had real success running the ball outside. Whenever it wasn't inside, you had guys like Ray Davis and Patrick Smith ripped off a couple beating these Florida defenders to the outside yeah. multiple times for big, big gains. Whenever Brammer wasn't holding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that was – That's nothing – hey, Jacob, it's nothing against you. Uh, it's that's oh. a joke. By the way. Me and Billy also, like the word slippery. That's what also, other SEC teams always feel like against yeah. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is, is all their there. players are slippery. It yeah, felt like Vanderbilt's players were slippery against Florida. Yes. That Ray Davis, multiple times you were like – how did he just gain seven or eight yards? Yep. That should have been yeah. a loss, or that should have been nothing, and he gained 15 or, or even two. It just feels like the first dude never makes the tackle, and that's just individual talent that's different. Uh, yeah. I mean, even now, and that's just going to keep improving because yeah. the level of talent that Derek Mason was recruiting into this program was not good enough. No, and it just there no. were in, there were occasionally guys he brought in that were legit. I mean, Mahoney, was Jawan legit. Williams. I mean, he's still here, Jawan Williams. Yeah. Uh, but there are guys still in this roster that were legit. But for the most part, he was not recruiting SEC talent into Vanderbilt, and then the SEC talent he did have for the most part left uh, right after he left and was going to be gone anyway after that yeah. season. So it, it's just you see world. the glimpses, you just keep what? seeing mm-hmm. the little moments. And if you're like, if this is what they're capable of in two years with without even a real opportunity, I mean, it's hard not to get romanticized about what you could see in the future. And by God, Billy, Trevor, we fucking deserve it as Vanderbilt oh. fans. I was telling my dad, I was like talking to him last night and I said something like, I don't want to get too excited. You know, I don't want to get my hopes too high and then be disappointed. And I said, no, we deserve it. If there is a fan yeah. base in the country that deserves to be delusional, even (laughs) if it's for five fucking days before this Tennessee game, it is the black and gold Commodore nation. We deserve to be the annoying delusional head in the clouds, gold colored glasses fan base. And this week, Trevor and Billy, I'm going to be it on Twitter. Don't you worry. Oh, you know what? If you've never stood in the rain at 11 o'clock at night, waiting for Vanderbilt to kick off against Temple. Don't say a word to me. I don't oh, want to Don't worry, buddy. I said I said during that during that uh delay, during that lightning delay, I sat inside a memorial gym. I watched uh along with about 150 of my closest friends as Vanderbilt got demolished. And who was the linebacker? He had to retire because of concussions. He was actually ended up being a really good player. Nigel Bowden. Nigel Bowden. Originally I will never forget uh, being in that stadium, and there were so few people there, as Temple scored another touchdown to extend their lead, he yelled out the F word very loudly. And I remember standing there at, in 2013, I guess I was a sophomore in high school, and I was like, and I remember yelling out, yep, just keep yelling the F bomb. And I said it, and I said, that's going to make you stop 
Temple from scoring. And he looked up at me. And I'll never forget that because it was so quiet and empty in that stadium. And there was nobody there at that point. You could hear the F-bomb he dropped from the field 25 feet up. And then they 100% could hear me yelling back at them. That's that's oh, sicko. So that's I've sat there with you, Trevor. I mean, we yeah. I was there in the old miss game. I, I felt my soul drop out of my body as Jeff Scott yeah. ran 75 yards. <laughs> he ran, I was sitting in section M. He ran right beside he ran right to us, and I I thought Javon Marshall had the tackle. I swear to God, I was like, I'm section J, him. so I just watched I it like, open from the end zone. Oh. Like I saw the gap and I saw the cutback, and it was like my worst nightmare was just that was you know the layer of darkness. You, you know the layer of darkness below ground. That was Vanderbilt entering into that low that level. Ole Miss and Temple being with like in my real developmental years in college. Those two games being opening games of seasons, the and then combine that, and then combine that with ETSU. Just well, just combine the ETSU game. I was a grown man. I had a full time job when that ETSU. I, that was I walked out of that stadium shirtless. Like I've never been in my wildest worst case scenario. I could have seen them lose. I could have. I yeah. never in my wildest worst case scenario. And I say this as a Vanderbilt fan. We just mentioned, but as a Vanderbilt fan, I never expected them to get dominated by ETSU. So those three games right there, Trevor. If you've been to those games, they, I mean, you're built all different. three of them, brother. It was you're rough. built different, brother. I know you were watching at least, oh, even if you weren't there, because you were in Florida for one. Yeah, of them. I was. Oh, that was that was bad. I, I somehow I sat through and gold watched. jerseys. Pack squat. They coming out with the gold jerseys or what? Boys, I have <laughs> no inside sources. Nobody on the. I don't know anybody on the equipment staff. If you are on the equipment staff and you want to give me a source, my DMs are open. I I have a real sneaking suspicion. I don't know why. <laughs> Van, I I know deep in my soul that they have gold uniforms on ice, and they've had them for a while. You've, Clark is a Vanderbilt guy. I mean, my God, whenever he, he brought out it. these new uniforms, he brought them out with the shoulder stripes and the pants stripes. Oh, my God. Like they perfect. had in the mid 2000s. It was, it was so perfect. You have this, you, Billy. This is the sustainable they thing. Them. That, they, have they have them because you have people in there that. They they played there, but it's not just that they played there. They get it, Billy. That's you always said it. They get it, and, too, and that's like, the difference. Is it's like yes. Mason. I don't think Derek Mason was a bad dude. I think some of his yeah. ideas would have worked at non Vanderbilt schools. That's the thing. Yeah. That but there are a lot of things that coaches have tried in the past at Vanderbilt that would work at ninety percent of programs and are built after successful coaches that they got them from. But to coach at Vanderbilt is different. And for the first time, you have Clark Lee there who gets there is tradition here. There is. It's not just a gut it. And he was was a part of it. He was a part of it. There are people that that love, and that was the hard thing about the Star V that I get why they did it. That's a hard decision. I could make a hell of an argument on either side for that. But you you have not just him, but AD Candace Story Lee. And and that is somebody that I will keep singing the praises of until, because I was very critical of her at first, but she gets it. 
I mean, she has been. This, this, is, this has been quite the a roller stuff, coaster. Will's relationship with uh, Candace. Yeah, no. I, but since she announced the real plans for the new stadium, Billy, it's yeah. changed for me. It, it's and been it's, different because it hasn't been tall. Too. Trevor, it's funny, it's, it's Tommy, funny is that your dad? That, that is my dad. So I'm right there with my dad. Before I come on, uh, Steve, Billy, Billy, I want to, I'm going to agree with you on something or well, I'm going to agree with you on something, but before I have to address this with my dad, another thing, Vanderbilt has a real tradition of wearing gold against Tennessee and winning 1982. They busted out these gold uniforms with Whit Taylor 2012. They busted out the gold uniforms. Oh my God. There is, there is a legit, there is a track record of Vanderbilt wearing gold jerseys and beating Tennessee. So that yeah, that's my dad. You're giving me chills. Your dad is giving me chills, well, Trevor. What you're hitting on, right what you're hitting on, Trevor, is it's like we've always said there's potential of tradition that has never been capitalized I, I, on. And for the first time, we're actually wanna, having people that get it. I want to hop on that because me and my dad, where we were sitting, we were sitting right next to the 2012 um Vanderbilt team that they honored at that game. So we were sitting with Vince, uh, Vince Taylor and uh, Ladarius Banks, and me and we were all talking. And Ladarius Banks brought up a really good point, and he's like, "It's really nice to see that in the program, we have people like us running the program." And he specifically yes. brought up, he's like, "He's like, I'm glad that Clark is one of us." He's like, "I'm glad Earl." Darius Sims, who he played with, he's like he's one of us. Like, like you these can't guys fake get that it. video you saw after the game of of Candace Story Lee celebrating and hugging the t- and hugging the coaching staff and the players and yelling. No. Out, yes, that was from her core. Like it's primal. a different. There's yes. a celebrate. There's a celebration from a fan, and then there's when you watch me celebrate after a Vanderbilt yeah. win, or watch my dad, or watch you, or watch Billy. It's you. It's not concerned with any camera or looking like you're celebrating. You're yeah. just celebrating. And Vanderbilt hasn't had that, man. No, you haven't. No. You've had the you've had the Derek Mason dancing at the. This yeah. is real reactions from people that care about Vanderbilt. That's <clears throat> yeah. the difference. It's not just caring about being successful as a coach. Clark Lee wants Vanderbilt to win. Candace Story Lee wants Vanderbilt to win. And I think somebody that hadn't gotten enough credit is Deermeyer. I, yep. I think he has been totally a catalyst agree. of the change he's a, he's a just as guy. much. And he's not yep. directly involved in the nitty gritty, but he has allowed them to do what they are doing. Because without right. his support, none of this, none of this is a possibility. Yeah. The new stadium yep. is not a possibility. Corporate sponsorships aren't. So Deermeyer is somebody I want to shout out to. Yep. Guys, and from yeah. the very beginning, um, this is the reason I was excited about the Clark Lee era. I mean, you you instantly bring back Earl Bennett. You hire Barton Simmons. You have Javon Hay. You retain Javon Hay, which was smart. I mean, you have those guys already in the building that have seen success at Vanderbilt. I mean, to to bring back Earl Bennett, that was that's a statement. I mean, that that's one of the more impressive hires at Vanderbilt that Clark Lee has made. I mean, Earl mm-hmm. Bennett has just about as much influence. He had that much influence on Will's childhood. Look at that picture. My so, hey, my my favorite player of all time. The first time we had season tickets was 2007. Uh, whenever he had his career year. Trevor, we might be the same person. I'm pretty Earl sure. Earl Bennett's my favorite. I think we were like 05. You yeah. guys have uh, you guys have the same parents. 
Like you, you gotta... <laughs> we might be brothers. <laughs> my web, my Webkins. Uh, whenever that was popular, whenever Earl Bennett was playing, was named Earl after Earl Bennett. I had a Webkins, <laughs> and it was named Earl. Oh, uh, we, it was a per, it was a blue hippo. We, we've officially hit TDR for Dark Will's talking yeah, about Webkins. I'm on beer five, so you're starting to get some funnier <laughs> stories now. Oh, <laughs> uh, guys, we got to wrap it up though. Uh, Trevor got to his third key. Uh, we could stay out here for a few hours. Uh, this is TDR after dark. That's what it does to you, boys. Um, I don't know what Brad's referring to. He said, "No, oh, Earl Bennett, number ten. There you go. I forgot about it. Uh, Gavin, show <laughs> yeah, number ten. I mean, that's part of it. The the identity." I mean, you see that number 10 jersey walking into Dudley Field, man. I mean, that that, that gives a little chills down your spine. So um, that'll do it, though, guys. We got our three key takeaways. Oh, yeah. Tennessee is a 14-point favorite. Real quick. I think it's at – 13 I mean, and a half. 13 and a half. Is it down to 13 and a half? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I saw it open as, actually. I never saw the 14. I did. I wow. just yeah. – that's a big half point. So I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, last I checked was fourteen. But I mean, it could be, it could very well be thirteen and a half. Hell, I think maybe it gets down to thirteen. I mean, who knows? I mean, the way Tennessee looked last week, what Vanderbilt has done the past two weeks, this shouldn't be more than fourteen. It it, it really shouldn't. So, uh, if Hinton Hooker's is is there, will like you said, it's probably twenty one at least. I mean, at least. So two weeks ago, the look ahead line, if it, if they set two week out look ahead lines, would have been thirty one and a half or thirty four and a half. It would have been yeah. that high. It would have yeah. been it would have been a five score difference, legitimately. Uh, if Hooker is healthy and Vanderbilt sitting where they were at three and six, uh, I mean, best case that game was going to be twenty eight and a half at the tightest line, and you would have seen it hit thirty. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy the perception change from Vanderbilt and then the impact Hooker has as well. It's it, it's unbelievable. Trevor and I were talking about it, Will, before before we got on here. That's got to be up there for one of the best all time days as a Vanderbilt fan. I mean, you, you get a win, you get your second straight SEC might be, win. Might be the best. In, I yeah, mean, it's up there for in, in year two, in year two of, of the Clarkley era. Dude, you got two straight. How SEC many awesome wins. days do we have? Like we can probably count them on one hand. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> like last twenty years. It's no, it's it's true. It's true though. But I, I I just think that what a day. I mean, what a perfect day for Vanderbilt fans everywhere. Um, you know, from sea to shining sea. Uh, they're going to be filling First Bank Stadium on Saturday night. We'll talk about it. We will have Adam Sparks on to preview the game. No way! So Arya Gerson, yeah. Arya Gerson actually is already going to have him on a Spaces. I I had it. I had Adam Sparks on my mind. So uh, he he will be on a Spaces with Arya Gerson. Sure, she she, uh, she stole him from us at first, but uh, but no, it, it's all good fun, and we're going to have Adam Sparks on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll probably we might go a little bit earlier, earlier just because uh, the next day is Thanksgiving. So we'll figure out a time. We'll get it to you guys. Thanks for all the interaction again, guys. This is what we want it to be. I mean, this is what we want this to be. So keep this rolling, and uh, it starts with Brad, man. Brad might be the MVP listener of tonight. So shout out Brad Woodis. Uh, Scott, award winning listener. Yeah, Seth Saban, Arlen Goodrich, Tommy Hoolan. Um, let's see here. So all those people that uh, that were flowing in, Dylan Cutshaw. Thanks everybody uh, for checking in. You've been listening to episode 193 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. <laughs>